share this illustration. I've been a fan of the comedian Jerry Seinfeld for, for many, many years. But even longer than that, I've been a big fan of candy. And Mr. Seinfeld is a fan of Halloween because of how much he loves candy. And when our boys were, were little, we bought one of these, you know, the, the big oversized books with all the illustrations. It was a book by Jerry Seinfeld about Halloween. And the story of this little kid's book is like this. It's really cute. It's nice. It's about this little boy who only has two aspirations in life. Number one, to dress up like Superman. And number two, get all the candy that he can get on Halloween. That's all he cares about. Jerry said that when he was a little kid, he only had one thought in mind. Candy. Get candy. And then get more candy. That's all he thought about. And then he said somebody told him about trick-or-treating. And he said, I don't even understand this. You're telling me that people are just going to give you candy? All you got to do is just walk up to them and they'll give you candy. I can't believe that that's the truth. How can that be a real thing that you'll just go up to somebody and they'll just give you candy? That can't be right. Well, as I was thinking about these things, as I was thinking about how the only thing I care about on Halloween, the only thing I care about on Halloween is candy, and that here we are, people are just going to give us candy, how special that is, but how that pales in comparison to what really matters. Because if you think that it's special that you can just come up to someone and they can give you something as amazing as candy, what if I told you that there was something else that could be given to you? What if I told you there was something else that was so much sweeter, so much better, so much longer lasting than just a little bit of candy? What if I told you you could have that? Would that not be exciting? Would that not be enticing? Well, it gets my attention. And so here's, here's the first thing I want to share. I just want to make two points tonight. The first one is just this, that as much as I like candy, as sweet as it is, the Lord has given me something that's so much sweeter and the Lord himself refers to his word, to his commandments, as that which is sweeter than honey. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119. We're going to read a few lines here. Psalm 119, because even here in this passage, the Lord knows he's the one who made us. He knows what we're like, and he knows what we like, and he knows that so many of us not all of us, but he knows that so many of us have a sweet tooth. He knows that we enjoy putting a little honey on things and making it just a little bit sweeter. He knows that that's the way that we are. He made us. But he says, imagine how it is that you like some of those things, and I have something for you that is so much better, tastes so much better, and lasts so much longer. So Psalm 119, let's read together, beginning at verse 97. So Psalm 119 Verse 97. We're going to read several verses here. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. In other words, the word of God, the message that God has shared with his creation, this is what I think about. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it's ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. Now listen to verse 103. 
How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding, and therefore I hate every false way. Now, notice what the psalmist is saying here. He says, I finally discovered something that truly is sweet. I finally discovered something that is excellent and wonderful as I drink it in, as I think about it, as I, I bring it into this brain of mine. But it's also something that's sweet to, to live out, something that's sweet to, to share and to say. How many things like that do you know of that, that are engrossing and enlightening when you bring them in? but then also help lift others up and make others feel better and are better whenever you share it with them. That's what God's Word does. When you listen to and follow the Word of God, you're wiser than any university professor. When you listen to and live out the Word of God, you're, you're wiser than anyone who's lived through other things and other experiences. Doesn't matter how gray the, the hair might be, if they don't know the Lord, their experiences are only that experiences that aren't getting them anywhere closer to eternity and he says when you know the word of god you're right where you need to be when you're living it and loving it and sharing it you are the person that you need and want to be and so he says so that is sweet i want to bring it in and i want to share it it's better than honey it's better than candy go over to ezekiel chapter 2 ezekiel chapter 2 a pretty strange request is going to be made of God's prophet here in Ezekiel 2. But again, God himself is going to use this illustration of bringing in his word, bringing in the holy word of God into yourself and having it taste sweet. It's the choice that God made because, like I said, he knows who we are and how we think and how we feel. So start with me in Ezekiel chapter 2. Let's read verse 8 beginning. So Ezekiel 2, 8. But you, son of man, he's speaking to his prophet Ezekiel, hear what I have to say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then he says, and when I looked, this is Ezekiel, and when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book, not... A honeycomb, not a piece of bread. A scroll of a book was what was being handed to me. Verse 10 says, He spread it before me and had writing on the front and the back, and there was written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe, words of judgment because of the, the actions of those who'd rebelled against God and the message that the prophet was going to go have to stand in front of his people. He was going to have to stand in front of God's people and say, judgment's coming because of your actions, because of your rebellion, because of your sin. Here comes judgment. That was God's word. Ezekiel 3.1. He said to me, so God says to the prophet Ezekiel, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and then go and speak to the house of Israel. In other words, you bring it in and you go share it with them. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. And I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet, as sweet as honey. The word of God is here two different times depicted as being sweet when we bring it in because it's the precious, precious 
message from Almighty God. Look, I am, I'm not even intending this pun, I'm a sucker for candy. I like candy, especially chocolate candy. I like it. But it only lasts for a minute. And then it's gone, and you're probably not, no, not, you're not better off afterwards. But the Word of God, when we bring it in, when we bring it into our minds and into our hearts, it changes lives. And it makes an eternal difference to us to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that I want you to think about is that as sweet as some things can be, the Word of God is that which is truly sweet and truly makes a difference, and you and I need to grow to love it. Here's the second thing. Instead of being amazed, instead of being floored that that some people will just hand you candy, I want you to be amazed at how our God loves us. And I want you to be amazed at how willing our God is to listen to us and heal us and save us. As Scripture will say, maybe you'll be turning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. All we have to do It's pretty simple. Recognize that you're a sinner and that the only one that can save you is Jesus the Christ. And as it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, all that call upon his name shall be saved. Now, clearly, we need to distinguish just exactly what that means to call on his name. But that's that's the message. That's the call. Just call upon his name and he will save you. Now, what that means is this. Because this crowd is going to say in Acts 2.37, well, we know that we're sinners, and we know that Jesus is the one who saves, and so we want to, to beg and plead with him to save us, so what do we do? How is it that we specifically call on his name? How can we be those who recognize we need Jesus to save us, and we call on him to do it? How does that work? Well, in Acts 2, verse 38, the apostle is guided by the Holy Spirit, says, can you believe this? If you'll just repent of your sins and be immersed, be baptized in the blood of Jesus Christ, you'll be forgiven and given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that God would do that for you? That is what is incredible. That is what is amazing. It's it's similar to this. You go over in Acts 22. You know this account really well where Saul has been on his way to destroy Christians He's been on his way to destroy people who were naming Jesus as their Savior. He thinks that Jesus is a liar. And on his way to go hurt more people, he has that that moment where Jesus appears to him and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And eventually he tells him, what you're going to do is you're going to go into the city. There's a man named Ananias there, and he's going to tell you what you need to do. And so Paul spends the next three days blind, He spends the next three days fasting. He spends the next three days praying. And here's a man who thought for certain that he was saved. He thought for certain that he had done all that the God of heaven wanted him to do until he met Jesus. And then he spends the next three days praying. And Ananias, the preacher, comes in and says in Acts 22, 16, why are you still just sitting here? Why are you still just sitting? You need to get up and go call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Look, look in your Bibles and read it with me, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. Why do you wait? Arise and be baptized, having your sins washed away. And it says, calling on his name. Are you not amazed? You think it's special that you can knock on a door and someone gives you some candy? 
What if you call on the name of Jesus Christ, submit your will to his, and he gives you forgiveness? That is incredible. I'm amazed at how he loves us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, God manifests his love like this, in this kind of way, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm amazed at how he cares about our problems. I seem too insignificant for him to care about my problems, my issues. And yet the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 6, that we're to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he can exalt us. And if we will cast our anxieties and our cares on him, we can do that because he loves us, he cares for us. I'm amazed that he cares about my issues, about my, my problems, my heart, my life. Can you believe that? So what we're called on to do is approach his throne, call on his name, and then God gives us something that's so much sweeter, so much more important, so much exponentially, infinitely more valuable than candy. It's his amazing grace. I want you to read with me in Ephesians 2. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 2, we'll read this passage together and then we'll offer an invitation. In Ephesians 2, the Bible begins this way at verse 1. This describes every last one of us. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He says we've all been here. We've all been those who made sinful choices. We've all been those who at one point or another rebelled against God and called his wrath down upon our lives. All of us. And he says, we once walked in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like, just like the rest of mankind. But look at verse 4, Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast, for we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. It seems too good to be true. I love that image in my mind. Maybe it's just because I'm simple in my thinking, but I, I love that image in my mind of the little kids saying, let me get this straight. All I have to do is put on a costume and walk to a door and they'll give me candy. Are you sure? Yep. That's all you got to do. And now for the more mature, let me get this straight. Jesus loves me? And, and he died for me? 
And he wants to save. He did that to save me. And he told me, like in Matthew 7, 8, that if I will knock, he will open the door. Not just to call upon him, but I've got to repent of my sins. I've got to confess that he is the one. He's the son of God. And be washed in a watery grave, buried with him, and raised up to a new life. He'll forgive me? Are you sure? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the promise of Scripture. That's the promise that our God gives us. That if you will repent of your sins, naming Jesus as the Lord, as the Son of God, and being buried with Him in the waters of baptism, He says, I will do something incredible. I will make a dead person alive. I will forgive the sins of the sinner. He says, I'll do that for you. So I would say that for you and for me, we should be amazed and impressed and thankful. And if we haven't already done so, we should call on his name. But maybe it's the case that you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, but you've been living as if he has nothing to offer. Well, then be, be restored. Come home to him today. Is there any other kind of way that we can help you or encourage you? We want to study with you. We want to pray with you. We want to help. If you let your needs be known while together we stand and sing.